that's all we need. That's, that's all we need. Yeah. That is the perfect way mm-hmm. to begin this episode. Welcome. Hello, everyone. Well, hi. <laughs> Welcome to the Mixed Reviews. Hi, Louis. Hi, Gavin. Hi. So I, well, we just introduced ourselves by saying hi. Hi, I'm Gavin, and you're Louis. I'm, I'm Louis, and, and you're Gavin. And I'm Gay Rights. Yeah, Gay Rights. We're gay both rights. Gay Rights. Yeah. Um, Welcome to the Mixed Reviews. Mixed Reviews is a podcast, if this is your first episode, in which we talk about an actor or director or a mini genre, and we talk about what we like and what we don't like. Mm-hmm. Um, and we have lots of fun. We mix up, up the reviews. We do. We watch as many movies as we can. Oh, yeah. And it gets complicated. Let's talk a little bit before we get into this week's episode about last episode, um, where we talked about Miss Regina King. Oh, my God. That episode is... You know, I'm not saying this just because I put it together. Mm. That episode is so good. It's a really good episode. Yeah, it's I a was... good episode. Not to toot our own horn, but toot toot, 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 but toot, toot, bitches. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I had a lot of fun doing that. And uh, I think it is, I feel like we have the most fun when like we really end up really liking the, like, yeah. we're discovering new and like interesting things about um, these people. And a fun little game for you guys at home is to go back and listen to the episodes where we didn't enjoy the subtext. You can find them. <laughs> they exist. They're, you know what, Gap? This is... I try and remain positive. I do. We're like 40 episodes deep yeah. right now. Yeah. Um, which kind of seems insane. We've been doing this a little over a year now. I yeah, think. More than a year. Almost two years. It'll Almost be two, two years, years in May. Yeah. So if we're bi-weekly, Louie, that means at 52 episodes, that'll be our... Okay, don't talk to me about math and numbers. <laughs> That's homophobic. Okay? Yes, it, it is. Um, but we uh, returned with our poll um, the last episode, and we asked you guys to go online to our Twitter and vote for what your favorite Regina King movie and performance is, and the results are in. Uh, Very surprising results. I was not expecting this. Um, yeah, kind of, yeah. So in last place was Ray with 6%. Um, Poetic Justice, which was my pick, came out at 12%. Jeremy Maguire came in at 15%, and your pick, If Beale Street Could Talk, came in at 67%. So, kind of a landslide. There was a a long, like, a very strong last-minute rally for Jeremy Maguire, and that was what surprised me. Hmm. I mean, I know there's a huge gap between yeah. If Beale Street Could Talk and Jeremy Maguire. I was like, wow, a lot of... We, we didn't talk enough about Jeremy Maguire, apparently. It's yeah. apparently very popular. <laughs> Before we move into uh, our... You know, talking about our next subject. And normally I do this at the end of an episode, but I want to c- continue this in old business because recently we've received a lot of outpouring and love from people and it's so, sort of came unexpected and is very touching. So I do want to read this. We actually recently got two new five star iTunes reviews. Uh, the first from Miss8866. And it says, this is a great show. Both Gavin and Louie are so knowledgeable and have such a fun rapport with each other. Even when they disagree on their choices. Michael Rappaport? Yeah, Michael Rappaport. I'm not Rappaport. <laughs> um, and from Pod Addict T, we got Gavin and Louis' show is one of the rare gems you're always looking for, but never seem to find. With expert audio quality, a fantastic premise, and great discussion, this wholly original podcast will leave you longing for more. Stop reading my review and hit play already. Aww. So those are very, very sweet. It's very sweet. That someone thinks I'm knowledgeable about anything. <laughs> Thank you so much. Uh, the, uh, won't wait till they meet you in real life. Right, right, right. This is all a facade. Smoke and mirrors. <laughs> uh, we also received a really wonderful email. Yeah. Um, we, we got truly just like the nicest email. And so, um, thank you. It says, hi, Gavin and Louie. I'm a stay at home mom from Nevada who recently moved to Oklahoma for my husband's work. Yes, queen, family, love in that. I discovered your show after Gavin was on This Had Oscar Buzz. Shout out to them. We love them. And I quickly devoured all of your back catalog as I unpacked. Girl, 
<laughs> I know. 40 episodes. 40 episodes. Thank you. Thank you. And uh, I apologize for about maybe the first six or seven. I don't know. And well, also, you must have like a great big house in Oklahoma <laughs> to unpack all yeah, that. Yeah. By the way, uh, we both live in New York City. So we basically live in like a closet. Mm-hmm. One mm-hmm. of your closets. Actually, right. we're moving in. <laughs> she says, my only complaint is that I've gotten so used to hearing your voices in my ear every day. Now I'm going through a bit of withdrawal as I wait for the next episode. I'm taking solace in that my five-year-old son has started mimicking me, who is mimicking Louis' scream whenever Gavin says something surprising. No signs yet on if my baby's first word will be casual, but I'm crossing my fingers. I love the show and thank you both for it so much. Michelle. So thank you so much, Michelle. And um, I don't know. The screams just come out. They do. They just they come do. out. I appreciate them. Okay. I am I am a lover of them. I, I enjoy them. I I like when they're verbal. I feel like um a drag queen almost when like <laughs> when it's just like ah! like I don't know like you know because I don't want to f- do a full guttural. It's just like kind of like a dinosaur screech. <laughs> it is really strange how your neck does that unfurling thing mm-hmm. and you spit that acid in my face. Yeah, yeah, that's um, a Latino thing. <laughs> oh, is it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, but thank you so much to everyone who has nice things to say, and thank you for listening 40 episodes in, and we're still going strong. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much. Um, so episode 41. Yes. We're talking about Rachel Vice. Yes. Oh my god. Uh, heads up, real quick. I know her name is Rachel Vice. Mm-hmm. I've heard her say her name is Rachel Vice. One time I changed my name because, um, I pronounce it Vice. My dad pronounces it Vice, and there's a W. And in England, there just aren't any people with my name. It just, I just uh, whereas in America, uh, Weiss is a really common name. So, um, I s- we have this thing in England called Spotlight, which is a kind of catalogue where all actors put their ten by eight photo and their height and their agent and stuff like that. So I had my app. It was like I was twenty five or something. So I had my Spotlight application, and I sent in the picture to my agent, and I changed the spelling to um, V Y C E to spell phonetically vice and my agent um it wasn't this the woman the, the woman i'm with now was his assistant at the time and she he called me up um and he was just he just screamed at me he said it looks like a what do you call it in america like uh, we call them number plates uh, on cars you call license them, plate yeah he said it looks like a fucking license plate <laughs> yeah so he and i was like oh okay i guess all right but I wish I changed it to VYC because then I, people would pronounce it right. I've given up and it doesn't really matter. Undoubtedly, at some point in this podcast, I will call her Rachel Weiss. I apologize. I'm terrible pronouncing things. I have it in my brain that it's Weiss just because it's a W. I know it's Weiss. Mm-hmm. Heads up apology. I mean, honestly, that just seems like violence. Like, <laughs> I don't know what I'm saying. Um, but Rachel Weiss, we landed on her. Why, Gavin? We landed on her uh, mostly because it's award season currently, yeah. which will be outdated if you're listening to this in the future. But at the moment, she has just won the BAFTA yep. for Best Supporting Actress for The Favorite. Mm-hmm. She's currently nominated for Best Supporting Actress for The Favorite at the Oscars. Yeah. So we figured this is a good time to revisit her career. A lot of people are still just seeing The Favorite now. It's still in theaters. Mm-hmm. I mean, being nominated for Best Picture gives the movie a huge bump. Highly recommend going to go see it. Yeah, we were, like, looking through, like, all the nominees and, like, thinking, like, who could be, like, an interesting right. person to, like, take a spin through? And truly, we kind of were, like, she stuck out so much just because she's had a long career and her career... And it's been unique and interesting. And- so insane. I mean, I told you, I watched up- upwards to, like, 16, 17 wow. movies of hers 
in the past couple weeks, and it just is like turn after turn after turn, and you just do not know where she's going or what she's doing, and it's yeah. so interesting. She seems like such a cool person, um, and I am really excited. Yeah, the one thing, you know, I found some stuff about her process in terms of acting, but I'd really like to know what her process is in terms of film picking, you know, or, yeah. or, or like what she's going to come up with for her next movie, what projects she attaches herself to. And I think we've got kind of a grasp on that from doing this episode. I'm not a good auditioner. I've never have been. Some people are. I think some people can come and do the brilliant audition and I'm just more... Uh, Me- messy as an actor I, I don't know how to do like a per- I just I've never been good at it and under pressure to come up with the goods I just I I it's not my strong point but I don't know someone once said to me you know I, I suppose if you go in and show as much of yourself whilst being whoever the character is and um make a strong choice you know whatever it is that that this is the if they don't want you <laughs> i mean it's it's hard but this i used to say to me, if they don't want you then they don't want you and then you don't want them i think the terror and the fear is important the fear is kind of the 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 steam for the engine that that makes you uh i mean you want to be relaxed as well so it's kind of a contradiction but <laughs> that's always the the problem isn't it you want to be relaxed but you're frightened um so yeah i mean it's all it's all frightening but also she is one of the most uh, eclectic actors working yeah she fully feels like a weird theater kid <laughs> yes yeah like and, and in the best possible way in her history proves that i feel like yeah her history so. proves that and also i mean she she's obviously stunning gorgeous woman yeah um always has been and um I think she she started modeling as a very young like yeah. teenager, and um, but she was just like, nope, I'm gonna be weird, and it's so cool. It's yeah. so cool to to see her um, continue on that. So uh, why don't we dive into our rewind? Excellent. Rachel Weiss was born in London in 1970 to some Jewish parents. They fled um, to Britain three decades before, um, like, on the cusp of the Second World War. So her father is a Hungarian, and he was an inventor, and her mother was a Viennese psychoanalyst. Um, they divorced when she was 15, and um, she kind of was this, like, rebellious child bouncing between schools. Uh, she began modeling when she was 13, and <laughs> I didn't know this, but she turned down a role in Richard Gere's King David. Right. The thing that's weird about that... When she's at 14. Yeah, I've never... I'm, that's what I was going to get to. I've never seen King David. I know it's famously a disaster. Uh, our good friends over at the B-Side, which is uh, part of the film stage show, did an episode about Richard Gere. Actually, my my favorite episode they've done so far because it was Dan Mecca and his mom, <laughs> who's a Richard Gere super fan. Love that. So I highly recommend listening to that. But uh, outside of that, I'd really never heard of King David who was she going to play? Right. It's a movie about the biblical David. She was fucking 14. Yeah. Hopefully not a love interest. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Richard... But, you know, 80s. <laughs> yeah, 80s. Richard Gere's cute, but not that cute. Yeah, exactly. But eventually, I presume you hope you are going to become an actress. I mean, when you finish your, your schooling and your exams. I'd like to. I'm not totally sure yet. I'd like to go on to university. Um, I, it is a possibility afterwards I'd like to become an actress. 
I'm not sure. She has said that her parents, especially her father, was never too keen on her becoming an actress. And she has lots of interviews with Shay saying, like, they mostly just thought she was kind of crap. <laughs> they didn't think she was good. My my father's um, Hungarian. My mom was Austrian-Italian. And they were both very... Uh, um, not English, uh, and, and culturally, yeah. strong, strong accents, uh, different food, yeah. different cultural way of behaving, yeah. uh, just very not English. So, but I'm first generation, um, and so I, I am English. But going home was another a foreign country. So, I, I, it's hard for me to know if it's because of that because they're the only parents I have, yeah. so I don't have any other experience. But uh, definitely, the idea of fitting in inside i'm sure i'm sure anyone could relate to that if they have parents from different cultures you 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 hang out with all your relations and it's just a totally different way of behaving and different things are acceptable you can speak at different volume and say different things and yeah so i think learning to fit in um was something probably that came from being first generation yeah yeah, yeah she says they were they weren't skeptical um, they just thought I was pretty crap. They saw me in my first play and were justifiably underwhelmed. Um, and she said she doesn't have any actors in her family. Like, this was fully just, like, something that she wanted to do on her own. Um, she went to uh, Cambridge, I believe. Yeah, she went to Cambridge for college. And while at Cambridge, she steered clear of the theater scene there and fully just made her own acting theater troupe with all women. And they were called the Talking Tongues. Um, which icon, yes. Yeah. Can you imagine being Rachel Weiss, fully gorgeous, a full model at 13 years old, going to college and like, came, not some shitty, like whatever college, but like Cambridge, Cambridge. and being like, meh, and starting your own right. theater group. And, and I love listening to her talk about that theater group. She talks about that they were very like physical. They were yeah. like, like into body improv and yeah. interesting. Very like sort of, earthy. Yeah. Just like, so she's like a hippie theater kid. Yeah. I love Very it. that. Love it. Um, they put on... Their most famous play was called Slight Possession, and it literally was her, another actress, and a stepladder. And I think she does this interview where she's like, we were like just throwing ourselves against a ladder and, you know, working off of each other, and that play won like a, a prize. Yeah. So the theater company with the, the stepladder... Um, it was it was very avant-garde. It was kind of physical theater. Um, it was non-naturalistic. We called it, it's very pompous what we called it. We called it fraught naturalism. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, after the first year, started my own um, theater company with two, two of my best friends. And uh, um, it was just myself and another girl and a director and a producer, four of us. And we used to write plays through improvisation. So we used to get... We used to go to the Edinburgh Festival, and you you had to enter the the name of the play in the catalogue like a few months before. And we 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 had, didn't have a play yet, so we said we said think up a title, send the title, and then start improvising a play. Yeah, it it really worked out. I mean, I know it's funny, but it's an okay way to do something: get the title and then figure out what what's it going to be. So she says we were in little floral dresses and bare feet, and we were each other's lover. But we weren't lesbians. We were kind of universal lovers. But we were hot 18-year-old girls, so I don't know what the audience made of it. We called it taut naturalism. It's very pretentious, but we'd get into a kind of very naturalistic conversation, and I'd say, I can't believe I did that to you. How could I have done that to you? And then a gesture would get stuck, and it would get incredibly violent. I was beating my head really hard, 
and the stepladder was the third character who got between us. That won an award at the Edinburgh Fringe Festival and was transferred to London. Yes. Um, and it wasn't long after that, her and other actresses spent six weeks improvising a play um, where there were four courtesans taking turns trying to seduce a Parisian communard. Um, this Parisian communard was none other than Daniel Craig. Yeah. Casual, casual, casual. Uh, if you want to talk about a lots of other weird connections she had while she was at Cambridge, fellow classmates were Sasha Baron Cohen Ugh. and Sue and Mel from Original Bake Off. Oh my god, that is the <laughs> most... Um, I really hope that Sue and Mel and Rachel get together still. Maybe she'll guest star on their new show. God, I hope so. <laughs> um, So... She, like, from the very beginning, she has this weirdness that's always been her thing. She's, like, skewing from mainstream and just um, relying on that body. She's not afraid to be ugly, and I don't mean that in the in the sense that she... I mean, she will always be physically attractive, and she's not... Um, this is no shade at other actors or actresses, but, like, she's not putting on, like, prosthetic noses or anything. But right. she's really okay with slipping into that dark night of the soul place yeah. and, and just make bringing her characters to a real deep, dark right. level. I think it's a more, like, it's less visually, it's more, like, physically, Yeah, you know? Yeah, she can be really unappealing when she wants to be. Yeah. Uh, she says, acting natural felt very strange to me back then. It was much easier for me to stay in the world of the absurd. Which is really telling, you know? Yeah. We talk about this in a lot of our episodes about people who decide to be celebrities and people who decide to be actors. And she fully has decided, I want to be an actress. And, like, um, she doesn't really, you know, fuck around with being in tabloids or going out and being, you know, that type of celebrity um, and she said, I'm not confident around compliments or being celebrated. I'm very not comfortable with the thought of envy, which some people thrive on. Um, I know that sounds odd because I'm an actor, but an actor is about being somebody else. I've never felt uncomfortable with my level of fame. I don't get hassled, maybe sometimes in a minor way, but New Yorkers are much too cool for that. The thing is, you choose to be an actress, but not to be a celebrity, which I just think is so cool and... Um, I guess I should have taken better notes about her actual career choices in films. But she, her biggest, she starts in like, well, prior to that, prior to getting into films, uh, she started in TV, actually. Oh, right, right, yeah, um, yeah. She, she starts uh, doing British television. Uh, she was in The Advocates 2. Uh, she played a role in an Inspector Morris episode, Twilight of the Gods. And then, and I'm not sure we mentioned this in our Ewan McGregor episode, she did a four-part miniseries called Scarlet and Black, starring Ewan McGregor, which hmm. he was a man during the Napoleonic period who seduces rich women. Oh, I did not know that. Yeah. So she made her film debut in 1994 in Death Machine. Um, I don't know what Death Machine is. Yeah, it's apparently a pretty small role, so I kind of skipped it as well. Yeah, I, I certainly did not. The first thing I saw of hers was 1996's Chain Reaction, um, which was 
a, a film with Keanu Reeves yeah. and Morgan Freeman. It's kind of a by the numbers thriller, yeah, quote unquote. It's it's weird because it manages to both be like a really generic action movie with some pretty fun chase scenes, yeah, but also the most complicated plot in one of those movies that like unnecessarily complicated. Right. I mean, it's, everybody has four motives. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's very much like we invented a thing. Someone bad wants to use a thing, and yeah, there are some fun I, chase moments. But... I also have to say, <laughs> why is Keanu Reeves the star of that movie? Why is he the machinist who figures out how to do the thing when she is the physicist? Yeah, yeah. She should be the star of the movie. Yeah. She should be the one who discovered the thing. But he's like, I make machines. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. What do you say, Eddie? 20 minutes before it blows? Maybe less. Is he right? I'm afraid he is. Well done, Eddie. Well done. She was next in Miranda Fox's Stealing Beauty, um, where she, so she kind of has received this label of being an English rose. Yeah. Which I think, like, uh, when I think of that label, I think of her, I think of Kate Winslet. Um, it's usually applied to, I think, actresses who kind of have that softness. Right. Who look very delicate. Marion Cotillard also ha- kind of has that vibe. Um, but I don't think Rachel Weiss is much of a English rose. I think she's a little too freaky, deep yeah, exactly. to be an English rose. You know, and I also have to say, it is really impressive that her her like second big movie would be a Bernardo Bertolucci film. Bernardo Bertolucci, who just passed away this past November. Um, a very famous director. And so just, I don't know, I think it's, um, it's kind of interesting. Though... He is on the outs because he basically filmed a rape in Last Tango in Paris. But whatever. Ooh. Well, <laughs> Ooh. okay, bye. Um, I watched her next movie, 1997's Swept from the Sea, which was super basic. I yeah. thought. I was like, literally, I think in my notes, I wrote like, Rachel plays some basic bitch. Her parents hate her because she's basic. Well, that's, you know, what annoys me about that movie? So Swept from the Sea is also named after her character in, in some, um, in some other countries, it doesn't carry the name Swept uh, swept from the Sea. It carries the name Amy Foster. Mm. So, ostensibly, it's a film about her, but it's not. It's not. In fact, if anything, it's this film that's lightly about this homoerotic relationship between Vincent Perez yes. and Ian McKellen, yes. which is the more interesting story happening in that movie. But essentially, in that film, she it's a town in England, uh, and a, a foreigner washes ashore... Uh, uh, from Russia with mm-hmm. all these other men who die. He's they the only one to survive. He's the only one. And and the town hates him because he's a, a foreigner. This is... The sea. The ancient sea. The dark sea. The cruel sea. That's where you came from. Never saw such a thing. Only remember blackness and wind and the crying of children. That's where... All the hearts of the earth that have been lost to love and to fear lie waiting to be reborn. Don't watch this movie. It's fine. fine. I see. I think. I think I would say it's okay to watch the movie. See, I'm going to disagree with you. I don't think it's a waste of time. But I think there's a, a much more interesting read on it. Plus, anything Kathy Bates is in, I'll give <laughs> even even for like the four scenes that she's in. Her, her real big debut breakthrough into Hollywood is in 1999 
and she star co-stars with Brendan Fraser in The Mummy in 1999. Um... This is a huge movie. Oh, yeah. Huge. Absolutely huge. Um, it's disrespectful that they tried remaking The Mummy. When we have a perfectly good mummy already. Exactly. We've got one. It's good. Yeah. It's fine. We don't need anything else. Like, we ignore the sequels, but not, we'll... I mean, even, like, the remake is worse than the sequels. Like, yeah. T- I, I actually fully agree with that. I would rather watch The Scorpion King than watch The Tom Cruise The I Mummy. I would rather watch Maria Bello taking over <laughs> as, as Rachel Weisz than watch Tom Cruise in The Mummy. Um, the thing I like about The Mummy, and she, I've seen her talk in interviews, and it's really interesting if you can watch her, her stance change if the interviewer says something bad about The Mummy mm, before mm-hmm. she gets a chance to. Because if the interviewer says something bad about The Mummy, she goes on defense yeah. mode. Oh, yeah. And she's like, it's a fun movie. I had fun. It was a good script. It was different. If the interviewer doesn't say something bad, she says... I was in my 20s, so I was in that phase of just any any job was a really great job. But that that script was... I loved it. As soon as I read it, I loved it. It reminded me, it was self-consciously B-movie. It, it was making a joke out of its B-moviness. Um, and I used to watch with my mum in England on Saturday mornings. They used to have like um, Saturday morning kind of adventure, black and white um like half hour, thing, like Zorro, and I can't, I can't remember the names of all of them, but it was just the, you know swashbuckling stuff, you know. Um, and I, I'd watched so many of those kinds of things as a child. When I read it, I I, I felt like I knew the tone of it, um, that I knew the tone that this heroine would have. Yeah, and I love the fact she's yeah she's sort of feisty. I I sort of felt like she was a stuck in the wrong genre because she was a librarian in an action movie, which just seemed like kind of very brilliant and wild i think it's fun i do think it's fun i think i've rewatched it i rewatched it this summer um with a with a bunch of friends and i was like i i can't hate this it's bad in parts but like just it's it's it is quintessential popcorn fun yeah and like summer movies should be like the mummy yeah absolutely Uh, it's silly it's funny it's you know big personalities um I mean, I don't even think we have to really dive into the plot. She's no. like a badass librarian who hooks, yeah. hooks up with an adventurer played by Brendan Fraser. Yeah. They accidentally bring a mummy back to life and they gotta stop him. <laughs> what, what else do you need? Exactly. Hollywood. <laughs> um, it was in this movie when I, I rewatched it for this episode and I was like, oh man, like she's fully giving you the like broad, yeah. silly, like theater girl. And I was like, yeah, this is, she's, she's, Especially considering she's doing this after doing Swept from the Sea and like yeah. these kind of like very theatrical, like yeah. longing. This exactly. is exactly stuffy, costumey yeah. dramas. Yeah, and... this is like already showing us her what? Her range. Her range. And that intro sequence where she knocks over the, the library the books. books. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. I love her so much. I'm going to put you where you belong. Um, the next movie I saw, but maybe there was another one in there, but the, the next one I saw was 2001's Beautiful Creatures, uh, which I did not like. Yeah, um, Beautiful yeah. Creatures is a, is a Danny Boyle slash, uh, Guy Ritchie ripoff. It is very yeah, that. It's, yeah. It's that period. It's like 
Train spotting meets lock, stock, and two smoking barrels. Uh, you last saw him? Tuesday night. We'd been for dinner. We came home. Brian sat up drinking and I went to bed. I suppose I just drank too much. But I didn't so much go to bed as crash. Was Mr. McMahon in a similar condition? He was probably. I mean, I was only drinking sea breezes. And I, and, it now. And I also just don't really like seeing... Miss Vice play idiots. Mm-hmm. That's that's maybe not her strong suit. Maybe that's her one weakness. Is she's so smart and confident that it's hard to watch her play. Yeah, people who are not. I'm not saying it's beyond her. She was perfectly believable, but it's. But I think watching it in such a close succession to all the other movies, yeah, it made it harder for me to to understand that her character was this meek and mild. No, that's a that's a no. For yeah. Me. <laughs> Uh, it's gonna be a no dog for yeah. me. <laughs> this entire early thousands um, time period, she kind of just like has movies coming out every year, and she kind of becomes, at least to me, like oh, she's like oh, it's that yeah pretty woman who's like playing the like um, not assistant but like the supporting yeah. woman to the the guides in two thousand four. Um, she's in the shape of things. Yes, uh, interesting so- entry into her view. So I, I do want to talk about that, but that that's going to make me go back just a tiny bit. All throughout her entire career, she's also been working really hard on the stage. Um, she's mm-hmm. done a lot of stage shows. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, starting in 1994, she's in Noel Coward's Design for Living. 1999, she does Suddenly Last Summer, which I would kill to see her. And she does The Shape of Things on stage. She does it both in England and in the U.S. Mm-hmm. Uh, she does Streetcar Named Desire in 2009. She wins an award for that. Yeah, she plays Blanche, which is the best role. Yeah. Uh, Betrayal in 2013 and Plenty in 2016. Uh, Betrayal, she does with her at the uh, her current husband, Daniel Craig. Yeah. So, but, uh, <laughs> I found a lot of really funny interviews with her talking about American theater versus, uh, British yeah. theater, where she talks about how she's like an American theater. They clap for anything. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Broadway is, uh, I'd never done it before. It's that we it's a, culturally different to England in that when a famous person comes onto the stage, even if it's the middle of a see they've come in in the second act there's a huge yeah. round of applause yeah. so it's like Whoa, it's, it's very it's very odd i think in japan people shout things out really? is every country has something different in england we just wait to the end yeah clap, <laughs> which seems really logical we, to me we reach but... for the maltesers <laughs> <laughs> well, what, do you, what do you do when people applaud you, you, do you have to accept, wait you just you stand there in character you have to wait yeah and obviously daniel gets a really Gets a really big one. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I've forgotten. I mean, I didn't. Again, realize. don't click that. <laughs> but getting back to the shape of things. So what happens with that is it's a, a play written by Neil Butte. She goes to Neil Butte and she's like, "We should make a film." I said to him, "Don't you think that this should be a film?" And he said, "Yeah, sure. Do you want to produce it with me?" And I said, "Okay." So it was very. Um, uh, and I all I really did with Neil was because the script was completely written was I went round to meet producers with him who had some money to say would you like to make this film with Neil and myself and the original cast so it was a it was a very small step into production I didn't find the material I didn't find the director I didn't um, it was just an idea that Neil facilitated very kindly so that's the first time she she really puts um, producerial agency into her own career which I think is really cool because that's really early on. Yeah, um, yeah. It's interesting. I will say Neil Boot controversial. Yeah. I 
Would I be lying if I said I think Neil LaPute is a misogynist? No. I think he is a misogynist. He's definitely not a good person. Yeah. And um, And he's made some shitty films, but I think when he was making movies of his own work, I think some of it's been pretty good. We discussed one of his movies on the Stanley Tucci episode. Well, what's funny is I do think The Shape of Things is very much the, like light reflection of some velvet morning which was my one star review of yeah. the stanley tucci episode yeah so that, that, that's a hard movie yeah and uh and, and that's his whole thing though his whole gag is like uh-oh sex and relationships is yeah. complicated yeah exactly uh, women and men we don't understand each other as bad yeah um but overall shape of things is also co-starring paul rudd yeah uh, a young paul rudd I love that movie. I have an unabashed love. I think it's perhaps Neil Butte's last great work, um, both as a director and maybe as a playwright. I've read some of his plays since then. They're all right. Um, yeah, Shape of Things, I mean, I, what, what I will give the movie, it is super stylish. Yeah. It's super freaky deaky. Yeah. Um, and her character is, I mean, you, you know there's something up with her character from yeah. the first moment yeah. you see her. And that's what I think is interesting is... I very much, my thing about horror movies is I think the thing that's scarier is not the jump scare. It's the scare you see coming. And she is, this is not a, this is not a horror movie, but she is the scare you see coming. You're mentioned in there too, Jenny. Where? Adam's journal. I mean, it's a veiled entry, but I think it's you. Evelyn. I peeked twice. You're right next to someone known as cute waitress. Why is that? I mean, Adam. You're not. Something about a meeting and a drive after and your cute little V-dub. What are you saying? Uh, You know what? It's getting pretty late. No, don't go. Why are you doing this? I just want to talk about the kiss. You know, why can't we do that? This is inappropriate, okay? Did you tell him? No, 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 no. He didn't. Philip did. We met and he told me all about it. The rest I got from Loveaboy's dog. She's making that up. She's... Wait, Philip told you about our talk? When? What else did he tell you? Lots of things. He's a very chatty guy when you wind him up. When I started watching the movie, I thought, oh no, is this going to be her manic pixie dream girl movie? Yeah. But nope. No, no story, Bob. She is the nightmare devil dream girl. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I would definitely recommend going out and watching this movie, but just like with an asterisk that Neil is probably not a great person. Um, and a misogynist. <laughs> uh, yeah, so like uh, late aughts, she kind of doesn't in 2005 is when she she she's in the constant gardener yeah you know she has some other minor roles here and there but the constant gardener is her big aughts role she wins the oscar for best supporting actress um this is by fernando mireles uh and it's uh, an adaptation of uh john le car thriller this is the same guy who did tinker taylor sort of spy he's just like and a spy really... who came in from the cold and of course john le carre who who wrote this this unflinching, angry story, and and he really paid tribute to, to the people who are willing to risk their own lives to fight injustice, and um, they're, they're greater men and women than I, but thank you, thank you so much, thank you. This movie, uh, she's co-starring with uh, Ray Fiennes, and uh, yeah, I got lot of critical acclaim it's a gorgeous movie uh it's unlike any thriller i've seen yeah it's not i don't know it you can feel the love in this movie it takes place a lot in um kenya yeah um and they fought really hard to shoot in kenya 
they started a, a trust for the village um, that they filmed in to, you know, set up uh, sanitation areas for them and just like infrastructure for more movies to come film there. And also they used a lot of non-actors in the film, which I I also think is really brilliant. Yeah. um, Fernando, the director, he was like, if it moves, shoot it. Essentially, uh, Rachel plays a, um, uh, like an activist and she's married to Ray Fiennes, who is a, uh, like a British diplomat and they move or he's stationed in Africa and she's with them and she's just truly about you know getting um, aid to these poor people who live in Kenya she truly is luminous in this role um, and the movie overall is like I said like even comparing it to like a thriller like Chain Reaction or like that type of thriller yeah. this is more of like a thriller of the heart yeah Um, because even though there is like mystery intrigue murder it's more just about like doing what's right and fighting for what you believe in and, and relying on your, your allies and kind of overcoming, you know, greed and, yeah. and corporate nonsense. Are you all right? Yes, thanks. You were courageous. No, no, I was completely rude. It's just bad behavior and I... You were impassioned. I'm so embarrassed. Sorry. Please don't be embarrassed. I'm really sorry. And, uh, thanks very much. You tried to protect me. Very feebly. No, you were, you were, you weren't feeble. I just... But anyway, it was a very dull lecture. It was a dull lecture, and, uh... even so. I shouldn't have... <laughs> Look, can I, can I buy you a coffee or... I owe you a drink. Come All on. right, you can buy me a drink. Come on. Oh, I will say, I was like, she won this Oscar. Let me see who she was up against. She was up against some heavy hitters that year. She is up against one of the most heartbreaking Oscar denials of of my entire history of Oscars, which is Amy Adams for June. Yeah, Biden. Amy. I think they were the 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 like top two yeah. people. And I'll be honest, if I had to watch someone beat Amy Adams, yeah, I'm fine Vice. with it being yeah. Rachel Vice. But like, I love June. Biden. Yeah, was that her first Oscar nomination? Yes, that was her first big breakout. Like in terms of. Yeah. Everybody knowing who she is, but she was also she it wasn't Smallville. Yeah, <laughs> she was up against also like Frances McDormand, even yeah. though in a like not great movie like North Country, but yeah. like it's still Frances fucking McDormand. Yeah, um, I can't remember the other nominees, but they were like big names. Yeah, it was um, not just you know oh it's a weak year. It was a strong, it was year, a strong especially year. for Amy Adams who gave like such a great performance in Junebug. Um, so that was in two thousand five, uh, in two thousand six. She is in the fountain with, which her, at at the time was her husband Darren Aronofsky, I believe. Yeah. So they met in two thousand one when she was doing uh, the Shape of Things backstage, and uh, they were engaged in two thousand five, and they had a son who was born in two thousand six in New York City. Uh, they lived in the East Village of Manhattan. Yeah, and so oh, maybe they never actually got married. I'm not sure if they got married or not. Yeah, I don't think they ever did. And I think she still might live in the East Village because... Yeah. So they're not together anymore, but... Yeah. The, she says that she... In 2010, they announced that they split up and... They... Yeah. She has not moved because she's like, Darren lives right down the street. Yeah. And so they raised their kid together. Uh, but she said that she was cast really late in the game because The Fountain took forever to make. Um, Warner Brothers shut down production because the budget was insane. Years later... He had to remake the movie, but with, like, only $30 million or something. Yeah. Uh, only. But, like, you know. It, <laughs> I know. Boo-hoo. Boo-hoo. But, like, <laughs> but also, when you see this movie, it's like, oh, this movie is lots of graphics and, yeah. like, high concept. I mean, it's Darren Aronofsky. Yeah. He's trying to, like, be, like, really 
heady with all yeah. the shit. I know people who love that movie. I do not. Um, I'll be honest. I think she's good in it for like literally the third where she's Queen Spell. I think her as the cancer. Yeah. When I was like, her and Hugh Jackman just are not it for me. Yeah. What is that? They are not. Why do they it. not have chemistry? It is. And like, it's supposed to be an eternal love story movie. Yeah. And I do and not. They, yeah. And it might just be because Hugh Jackman's character is so unlikable. Yeah. Um, especially as like, so the fountain is like to- three different stories, but it's like maybe the same person who wants to live forever. The Fountain is a play on, like, The Fountain of the Youth. And it's funny because that's one of the few movies that I saw where I was like, oh, no, I don't like her in this. <laughs> um, so, but, but the thing is, after that, she's gone on to work with several other directors who are really great. I mean, she does Aragon. Less said about that, the better. But, you know, she does Wong Kar Wai's My Blueberry Nights, which is not my favorite Wong Kar Wai, but she's really good in it. She does The Brothers Bloom in 2008 for Ryan Johnson. Which is a lot of fun. I don't know if you got a chance to... Literally, My Blueberry Nights and The Brothers Bloom are two of the movies that I did not watch. Uh, the Brothers Bloom, I, I really think, is fun. And I, I like... W- one of the things I like about her character in The Brothers Bloom is she is sort of so... And she, I've heard her talk about this in interviews. She's sort of humorless. She's sort of the straight man to the comedy mm. that's going on. Um, not that it's a full-on comedy, but it's but it's got its comedic moments. I decided this wasn't a story about a miserable girl... This was a story about a girl who could find infinite beauty in anything, any little thing. And I told myself this story until it became true. Now, did doing this help me escape a wasted life? Or did it blind me where I wouldn't want to escape it? I don't know. But either way, I was the one telling my own story, so... No, I don't feel cheated at all. In 2009, she does this really weird, like, Spanish co-production yeah. uh, called Agora, where she plays Hypatia of Alexandria. Hypatia. Hypatia, thank you. Yeah. yeah. Um, it is... That was not good, but I, Alejandro Aminabar, I love the, like guts this man has audacity because he basically makes a two hour and ten minute film that's a like an ancient rome science lesson yeah oh yeah um and but at the same time like there's a 15 minute scene where she explains that the sun goes around the goes around the earth um in this movie where people are cutting each other's heads off and she's she's like handing oscar isaac her period blood as like you know she she plays this very important woman she really is important to our history yeah um she's a philosopher she's a philosopher and it's during the time in which rome has a lot of infighting because it's the switch between um the old gods and christianity coming in the roman empire is basically falling and 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 everybody's acting like a zealot like uh so everybody's busy cutting each other's heads off and she she's celibate she's a philosopher mm-hmm. um and she just really wants to discover this one thing and eventually obviously she's a woman who's smart so she's going to get fucking killed in the yeah. end i i'll say i like the movie more than you did um yeah the so hypatia is, was a real woman yeah and a, a lot of characters in the movie are real um but for me what i got was like it doesn't matter what you believe in or whoever's in power will eventually always be corrupt. And like, because right. she is even like a benevolent, you know, she, a slave owner, you know? Yeah. But in the end, it's, I mean, 
it's kind of like the favorite. In the end, you're not in power, Haney. It doesn't matter how much they like you or not. Right. Like, you are their property. Right. And so it doesn't matter if it's, like, the Romans who are in charge or the Christians in charge or, like, the Jews are in charge. It doesn't fucking matter because, right. in the end, y'all are fucking killing each other and fighting over, like, who gets to, like, own shit. Don't you see? I can't go on without you. You, I can't defeat Cyril. Oh, Orestes. Cyril has already won. It's funny, like, her career is a lot of, um, a lot of ladies who are, like, figuring shit out, yeah. doing the thing, and, like, fighting for justice. In, the, in 2011, she's in the Deep Blue Sea. Which was just like also a very luxurious kind of, um, I don't know, like meditative, yeah, uh, movie which with uh, Tom Hiddleston. Hiddleston, yeah, fresh off of Thor or year around the same time, yeah, with Thor. So not a lot of not a lot of non Wallander fans <laughs> knew who he was. It's a it's a gorgeous movie, yeah, and um, I think she's very. She was she won like the New York Critics. Best Actress yeah. Award. She was, like, on the long list for an Oscar. Uh, didn't happen. Um, she didn't get nominated. But, you know, she's... Just, it's around this time when you kind of see that she's taking less and less of the, like, kind of whatever side... Right. ...girl moments. Um, yeah, it's, it's less about being... Um, sort of an extra in her own films. Right. Like Swept from the Sea and and more about being sort of the focal point. Of but also just things. like being super interesting women. Yeah. You know, in The Deep Blue Sea, she literally plays a woman who is finding her sexuality and pleasure. Yeah. And the whole movie is about like pleasure and what the lengths you'll go to to yeah. get pleasure. In 2011, she's in Dreamhouse with her current husband, Daniel Craig. Mr. James Bond himself. Do you know I'm what you can some. buy? I've actually got one, one of those, um, those like screen visor things that you put up at the top that say Mrs. Daniel Craig. You know, oh. those things you put, so you can buy them and you can, I've got one. <laughs> well, <laughs> no, wait a minute, you drive a car that says Mrs. Daniel Craig. <laughs> I, I don't put to keep it up all the time, but just now and again, I'll, I'll, you know, those sort of see-through yeah, 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 yeah. What's hey, the technical hey, word? I've got a good idea. You have the screen visor and I'll have Daniel. <laughs> It's weird because around this time she also is she kind of swings back into big blockbusters. Yeah. She's in Oz, The Great and Powerful, which that movie. I hope is... she enjoys the house it bought her. Yeah, that movie is trash, trash, yeah. trash. That movie was made to sell things. Yeah, um, at Hot things Topic. that things that no one wanted. And yeah. what's wild is she's the best part of that movie. She is because that's least, not saying much. But because she's the only one who's actually making like choices yeah it's weird I, I want to talk about this a little later but it's it, there's some there's some weirdness yeah um in 2015 she's in paulo sorrentino's youth which i thought was beautiful uh she's in yargos lanthimos's the lobster which is so fucking weird and so fucking cool like if if you needed proof that rachel vice is that freak bitch yeah. like literally just look at the la the work she's been doing the last five years where i feel like she finally has this full agency where she's just like you know what I am going to make those weird movies. I'm going to produce those weird movies in 2016. And what's great is a lot of these directors, too, and she's... T I've seen her mention this before. A lot of these directors she's written to herself. I've done it for quite a long time, and, and, and sometimes it will end up that you end up working with the person, but m mostly not. But it just 
I think people don't seem to mind um, receiving letters of admiration. Um, so I think it's kind of you know win win win. It doesn't. I, I've I've expressed admiration for directors and ended up never meeting them or never working with them. But Yorgos, I saw um, Dogtooth, and then yes, I ended up meeting him. He was living in London and. We went out for coffee, and I said how much I wanted to work with him, and he said, well, I'm writing something at the moment. I'll send it to you, and that was Lobster. So that's how it started. Um, so, yeah, I think it's lovely to, to reach out to people that you admire. Yeah. So, so fucking cool. In 2016, she um, is in Complete Unknown, which she also produced. Yes. Um, a weird little movie with Michael Shannon. Yes. It's, it's a movie I, I mostly liked... Uh, I think the the opening montage unfortunately sets it up for failure because it's so good. It's this movie where she she I don't want to say she's a con woman because you don't really get no. the idea that she's taking money from people, but she's a woman who basically rewrites her own life every couple of years. Yeah. She just abandons her life, becomes someone else, and she's decided to go back and and meet, like see um, an old boyfriend of hers um, and his life and and what's. The problem it has is I think the plot really runs out of steam. Like, there's some choices in the middle of the movie that I think are so fucking bonkers. On top of that, Michael Shannon is a really, really great actor. The role was too normal for him. Yeah. He's too interesting of an actor to play this sort of boring, milquetoast. Like, that should have been more of like an every man sort of guy, and Michael Shannon's not it. I was moderately disappointed, but I think it's worth a watch. Yeah. Um... Then you get Denial yeah, by Mick Jackson. Uh, Denial is another movie that I felt very similar to um, to Agora, where it's a movie I liked, but also I think was, was a more interesting lesson yeah. than it was a drama. And that's not to insult anybody who's in it or the filmmaker who made it. I just think the I think there's a lot of scenes in it that are very prescient to what's happening right now. I see yeah. a lot of denial is a movie about she plays a Holocaust uh, historian who uh, gets accused of libel because she uh, says this really disgusting Holocaust denier um, is lying yeah. to people, yeah. and and so he brings her to trial in England where um, the burden of proof is on the accused not the accuser like the american justice system right um and so know, essentially she has to prove that the holocaust, holocaust actually happened everybody's everybody's so fucking good in that movie but everyone is very good in that movie and she, and again she so interesting like this is probably one of those movies where it's like she's playing a very jewish woman yeah um an american jewish and, woman and a real person so an she american, has yeah. That person to actually talk to and, and get the sense. Yeah, of. she's a professor um, in Atlanta. Yeah, who I think though is from the Bronx or Queens, and so she has a very New York Jewish accent. And uh, every time Rachel does a, a an accent, I just think it's it makes me laugh a little bit. Yeah, not in a, like she's not doing a bad job. No, but, but I know it makes me laugh because she's committing so hard to yeah. it, and it's a full character choice. He came with a chisel. That's right. And he hacked away. Correct. Illegally, without any permission from the authorities. And then he smuggled the pieces out of Poland in his suitcase wrapped in his dirty underwear. Be that as it may, we can criticize his methods, but it's his conclusions we have to discredit. But to get really serious, you see a lot of those mm. tactics yep. used by that awful human being, Yep, used by 
certain members of the conservative media and movements nowadays. And so I do think the it's a really important movie to watch. I just don't... The unfortunate thing is, is if that movie was made as a documentary, not as many people would see it. Right. But it would have made a better documentary than it does a dra- dramatic film. Yeah. But I think because it's the... There's, like I said, the, the drama doesn't feel so... You're right. I think with the context of like a lot of different things, including what's going on now, it would have yeah. been more all-encompassing. But yeah. I'll just say, if it's not a bad movie. Um, then she comes out in Disobedience by Sebastian Lelio. Yeah, another director she wrote to. Yeah, and it's another cool movie where she's playing an interesting character who... Um, another Jewish character. Yeah. Um this is the, this is essentially the, the lesbian Jewish movie that we all kind of heard about. Uh, it's on Amazon Prime right now if you want to watch it. Um, she plays uh, Renit, who is estranged from her Orthodox Jewish family. And after her father dies, she goes back and she meets up with some old friends, including Rachel McAdams' character, Esty, who they hint that they had a sexual relationship um, as teens, I guess, if you will. Um, Esty's married their other best friend, Dovid, uh, and they kind of have like a very plain, you know, traditional, um, orthodox life. And the movie, I think, is too much of a slow burn. I, I think it's, I think, uh, Rachel has one very good scene when there, she's having dinner with the, the rest of the Jewish family. I agree. I don't, I don't, I think it's a good movie. I don't love that movie. Yeah. I, I think it, every time you want it to like keep going, it kind of like, backs off the brakes yeah. or I, I wanted to get somewhere faster or at least like turn it up throughout a yeah. little bit more. So let me tell you when they spit in each other's mouths, I will say, you uh, know, they had, the, I, there is this, the, there is that. I, I never want to be that male gazy sort of guy, but the Rachel Weiss is so my type <laughs> that it just, yeah. 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 I mean, uh, once the movie does start get going, I'm like, oh, this is the spark that yeah. I've been like waiting for. Um, I think it plays a little bit too safe at the beginning and yeah. all that, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, it it's uh it's it's an interesting, it's another interesting performance, interesting movie. Um, and leading up to the favorite, the favorite, as we mentioned, out now, mm-hmm. Yorgos Lanthimos. Uh, yes. she just won the BAFTA for it uh she's very tired she also the they as a cast they won a gotham award and i love the way she ended her gotham award speech where she said and um also i hope that one day soon in the not so distant future we don't get asked what was it like to share the screen with other women because i don't think you ever asked men that but i could be wrong thank you We don't even really need to talk about The Favorite that much, but it's out now. Go see it. It's a movie in which her and Emma Stone are vying for the affections of Queen, mm-hmm. played by um, Olivia Coleman, Olivia Coleman, who Got is it. absolutely amazing and is winning awards left and right and deserves all those awards she's winning as well. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And uh, Rachel Weisz wears a lot of pants in the movie. And, uh, woo, yeah. Uh, Come on, pants. Come on, pants. Uh I just want to talk a little bit about, um, not her personal life, but just, yeah. Um, outside, she has said in an interview, um, in Harper's Bazaar that Botox should be banned for actors (laughs) as steroids are for sportsmen. Acting is all about expression. Why would you want to iron out a frown? Which icon queen. Yeah, absolutely. If you see her now, she does look like she's aged. Um, she doesn't look 
super, I mean, she's still gorgeous, but I was like, oh, wow, she does look like a more middle-aged older woman. Um, And, amen, bravo. Um, The... uh... And she she's has two kids, as we mentioned. She yep. has a son with Darren Aronofsky, and she has a daughter with Daniel Craig. Mm-hmm. Um, she's currently married to Daniel Craig. They got married in two thousand eleven, I want to say. Yeah, um, in a very small ceremony. Yeah, and she was she has become a naturalized U.S. citizen. So. Yes, as of the same year, correct? Two thousand eleven. Yep. yep. Um, also, just real quick before we move into our picks, because we really should get into our picks. Um, she has she supports a lot of charities and foundations. She's a, a member of the African Rainforest Conservancy, Cancer Research UK, Constant Gardener Trust, uh, Only Make Believe, Pediatric Epilepsy Project, Small Steps Project, and Worldwide Orphans Foundation. So yeah. she's got her, her hand in a lot of charitable causes. And as we mentioned every episode, it's important to mention what privileged people are putting their money towards because yeah. a lot of the times the things that you're hearing about these people is about who they're dating or who you know what they're doing what they're buying and it's nice it's always nice to have a reminder that most of these people are giving back yeah. and giving back largely yeah and i i truly after i watched the constant gardener i was just like so blown away at like their love yeah. Of this movie. And like literally the patrons of the Constant Gardener Trust are her, Ray Fiennes, John Lacar, and Fernando Mireles, the director of the movie. And they literally are just like, we're going to leave some money here and keep leaving money here so that this country and neighborhood that like really supported us in this filmmaking process can, you know, you know, take their money and do good for themselves and, you know, hopefully attract more filmmakers to come make movies there and uh, just provide infrastructure for whatever they need, which I think is, like, so fucking cool. So, that being said, I think it's time we move into our picks. Picks! Let's do our one-star reviews. Okay. Um, I'm gonna go first, because I rarely ever uh, go first for the one-star reviews, because I'm always scared that you're going to pick something that I picked. But I just hate this movie so much okay. that I... So I picked 2013's Oz the Great and Powerful. Amazing. Yeah. Amen. Bless. Um, she plays Eminora, who's the Wicked Witch of the East, but she's secretly, really, the Wicked Witch. Like, she is um, getting all of her machinations together. Her sister played... <laughs> poor, poor... By Mila Kunis, Mila who Kunis. I love, who she, like, tur- who she turns into the Wicked Witch of the West by feeding her a poison apple, which is yeah. like... Snow White, honey. Right. Check yourself. Mila Kunis, who's we love, we we, yeah. love, we celebrate. Miscast. Miscast. Mi- and like, she does not have the range. No. The worst performance of the film. And this is a movie with James Franco. That, that's saying, <laughs> that's that's saying, saying a yeah. lot. Um, and also, like, whoever was just like the designers on this movie was like, hmm, hmm, hmm. Iconic Wicked Witch of the West. How, the green, the hat, the nose. What shall we do? When they finally reveal what she looks like, I was like, is this a joke? Yeah. Is this, this is what they decided on? Yep. Cannot believe they did her no favors. So, so just a a very, very brief, uh, Oz is a con man who has to go up in a balloon to get away from a a strong man that he's been fucking the wife of. And he goes up, gets trapped in Oz, cons his way into everything. They all think he's this magical wizard. He's not, uh, has to, because all of these weird like Disney, um, Alice in Wonderland esque movies have to have a war. Yeah. Um, there's a war that goes on between the, the witch, the witches. You have, as I mentioned, 
Rachel Vice playing Evanora, the Wicked Witch of the East. You have Mila Kunis playing the Wicked Witch of the West. You have Michelle Williams playing Glinda. Uh, yeah, yeah. And, like, really just... Doing nothing. Yeah, literally. I don't know if she was just like, I just played Marilyn Monroe. Yeah. I can do it again. Snooze City. Yeah. And everybody feels bored. Every, I mean, literally, yeah. there's, a, there's a showdown between Glinda and Rachel Vice, And you're right. You're 100% right. Rachel Feist is giving the best performance she in the movie. Is. It's still a bad performance. Yeah. Where, there's a scene where she shoots electricity out of her hands and she's fighting Glinda and there's they're like shit-talking each other about the bubbles and everything. Yeah. You and I aren't finished yet. You have the throne, Glinda. What more could you want? You can't give me that. You took what mattered most to me. My father... I'll never again feel the comfort of his kindness. But I'll settle for the freedom of his people. Of course, Glinda. I think at the very least they deserve that. What's the matter, Glinda? Out of bubbles? Don't need them. Bubbles are just for show. And honestly, she looks like she would rather be napping. Yeah. Rachel Weiss, what are you doing? And I get, once again, I hope she bought a house mm -hmm. with this money. She bought the building in in the village. And her, her big, her big secret is that she has a ruby around her neck. When smashed, she turns into an ugly hag. The worst thing you could possibly be is ugly in this world. Yeah. I just, I don't... The movie's beyond... I got, isn't it's like, so boring, too. It's For a movie that's that designed... It's so it's boring. It's so boring. Isn't like the, the, like the lesson to be learned something like, I may not be magical, but we all have our own kind of magic, and his magic is like tricking yeah, people. Yeah, it's that he's a fucking liar. And so like he's <laughs> able to like trick the witches into like... Oh, they're fighting, but those aren't people. It's straw men. And yeah, like, it's I'm, scarecrows. I'm so clever. Get it? <laughs> yeah, and I'm so clever with like my machine that makes me a big floating head. Right. And like fireworks. And he like, for some reason, ends up with Glinda at the end. That's the truly. That's like the worst part because you know that like some executive was like, what if he like makes out with like? Because at the end he gives every one of his little like minions something. Right. And he's like, I'll give it to you backstage. And, like, literally, he's behind the curtain making out with Glinda. And I'm like, why? Yeah. For who? And it was clearly a film that was intended to set up, like, a um, a series of movies. That it that this was going to be the first. It's a big trilogy. And it drives me even crazier, the fact that it's a Sam Raimi film. And there are some hallmarks of Sam Raimi. There's some, like, sharp zooms and, like, some very cartoony stuff that happen in it that feel very Raimi-esque. But it's a soulless venture, even on his part. Yeah, it's and very... I mean, it has about as much charisma as Spider-Man 3 does, okay? Yeah, yeah. when Sam Raimi's bad, he's real bad. Real bad. Uh, but yeah, I don't even want to talk about this movie anymore. So, Louis, what's your one-star review? My one-star review comes from the same time period as um, Oz and the Great and Powerful. Mine is 2011's Dreamhouse. Oh! Um, and it's funny because, like I mentioned earlier, she is... Very not good, I thought, in The Fountain, which she made with her then-partner, Darren Aronofsky. And in 2000, this movie, Dreamhouse, she makes 
co-stars with Daniel Craig, her current husband. Yeah. And so maybe it's just like her working with the men she's like sleeping with that really just <laughs> does not do it for me. Um, Dream House, you didn't watch it, right? Yeah. So, uh, I mean, there's so many movies and I really prioritized some of the earlier ones because I hadn't seen a lot of them. And so I, I did miss it and I know I should have because she is married to Daniel Craig. But also my favorite memory of Dream House is the twist was spoiled in the trailer, which is I've it? never seen before. Yeah. The, it, the, I'll let you continue, but the whole like thing about like, like that. It's yeah. ghosts. Yeah. They're ghosts. Yeah. <laughs> They told me that you're not really here. What? You and the girls are dead. Did I do it? No. It's in the trailer. I didn't know that. Yeah. Um, so the movie tries very hard to be this twisty thriller, but it just like kind of lands with a big like, boom, like, oh, this is dumb. Okay, cool. Um, Daniel Craig is the main character. I didn't write down his name, but it's Daniel Craig and he... You know, him and his wife, Rachel Weiss, and they have two daughters. They move into this new house. He's like, the movie sets it up where they're leaving the city, moving into this house, and they're patching it up, and, like, they're going to start this brand new life in the suburbs, and, like, oh, what fun. Except, um, kids are, and, like, people keep looking at them weird, and, like, oh, you know, did you know that someone murdered um, his entire family in this house? Uh, and, and you, and the movie's trying to set you up thinking that, like, there is a murderer who's coming back to this house. Right. That, and he has gotten out of asylum. I just knew we shouldn't have moved out of the city. Maybe we don't say that. I He's knew the... that this wasn't going to last. What? This! There's something wrong with this house. No, there isn't. There isn't. We'll, we'll do whatever it takes, okay? We'll, we'll, we'll hire a priest. Hire a priest? <laughs> Where'd you do that? No, well, it's, uh, it's a whole witch doctor, whatever. I don't know. We'll feng shui the place. It's our house. Hmm? There's joy in this house. It turns out that, oh, Daniel Craig is actually that fucking dude. Yeah. Daniel Craig is the murderer. Yeah. Or alleged murderer. Yeah. Also, across the street, what's her name is in this movie? Um, Australian? No, Naomi Watts. Naomi Watts, Naomi yes. Watts is, like, across the street, like, literally, like, looking out her window, like, very creepily, and you're like, Naomi, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> Here's the She's whole... She's like, Nicole's not returning Nicole's. Yeah, yeah, it's very that. <laughs> yeah, like, so. I mean, the tragedy of this movie is just that, you know, all of it. <laughs> um, it's just so dumb. It's... I. Literally, the trailers tell you seriously, and I'm not even joking. Like, go go watch the trailer. Everyone, go watch yeah. the trailer. Report back. Um, she, yeah. So essentially, and he's like, "No, I don't believe you. I didn't kill my family." Oh, and he he keeps coming back home, and his like family is there, and he's like, "Are you real?" And they're like, "What? You're scaring us." They're not real. It's all a mess, and Rachel's not good in it. Very not good. Yeah. Um. No. It's the, a no, dog. The uh were there any others that you saw that uh, cuz I have I I mean there's a there's a bunch in there we we've talked about beautiful right. creatures. Uh I do want to say I watched one today and I would give it to her if she appeared in more than one scene because it's truly an awful performance. It's also early in, on in her career, so I I'll forgive it as well. But 1997's Going All the Way, which is a film directed by Mark Pellington, um it is stars um jeremy davies who should have a better career and ben affleck 
one year before Good Will Hunting. Wow. Yeah. And he meets Rachel Weisz uh, in a art gallery, and she's like an upper class, but she's doing the, the Marilyn Monroe baby talk. Like, hate it. it's so bad. Yeah, Marty was at Shortly. She was, uh, she was a couple years behind us. Yeah, I went to Shortly, too, but I don't think we actually met, but then we wouldn't have. You being a big rod and all. Isn't that what they called you, golden boys? <laughs> well, you know, that was, that was high school. And college, too. DePaul, wasn't it? Football star, big man on campus, BMOC. I can't really... She's not. Yeah. yeah. I, uh, can I also just say, she does... Sometimes she'll do, like, various American accents. Yeah. In Dreamhouse, she does maybe the most bizarre American accent. Um, because sometimes... You know, like, in definitely maybe she's yeah. great. And, like, I believe her. In Dreamhouse, it's fully this, I don't know, affected suburbia. I don't, not good. Um, other things I didn't like. Um, yeah, I don't know. I guess we mentioned all Beautiful Creatures was my other. I mean, Oz for sure. Beautiful Creatures for sure. Uh, I didn't like Definitely Maybe, but I think she's great in it. Uh, everything else, you know, I... Um, was really, I mean, so from the sea, they don't give her a lot to do, just yeah. be boring. So maybe it's time then we move into our five star reviews. Love that! We mentioned my five star review already, but um, for all of the, the interesting, sort of wild and out there characters she plays, um, my favorite performance that I've seen her do was in 2011's The Deep Blue Sea. I think perhaps wow. maybe because yeah I know it's I am a little bit surprised I I figured you would be I oh you did yeah yeah I did <laughs> <laughs> um, I really love the movie Brief Encounter this is very much a, a companion piece to the film Brief Encounter um, which is a David Lean Noel Coward film um, and so Deep Blue Sea set in the 1950s as you mentioned it's about a woman she's she's uh, having an affair with an RAF pilot who was had like a huge World War II experience. She's married to a judge who's an older man, slightly effeminate, like kind of some gay overtones, mm-hmm. um, who's like way more in love with his mom than he should be. Right. And But it's clear she has feelings for this man and is in love with him, and he just doesn't reciprocate it in the physical sort of way. And what I think is interesting about this character, and, and I, I said this... Uh, it's, it's, it's like brief encounter. If the main character was allowed to be passionate about her dissatisfaction with life. Yeah. And the film starts with a suicide attempt and it's, it's based on a play from the fifties. Uh, it's, a um, a Terrence Radigan play. And what's really funny is Terrence Davies directed it, but Ter- like it was done for Terrence Radigan's centennial. So when you, when you watch the movie, it starts with Rachel Weiss and Tom Hiddleston's name. And then it says, a Terrence Radigan film. And I love the fact that he did that. It's just such a nice touch. <laughs> um, but, uh, but so as I mentioned, it, it like, it even begins in a dreamy sort of way. It's like, it's sometime in the 1950s. Um, and yeah, she, she's attempting suicide because um, she's in love with this judge who can't physically reciprocate uh, love to her. And she's in love physically with Tom Hiddleston's character with a man who will never love her and never appreciate her. Yeah. And I mean, there's so many good scenes. There's so many amazing moments in it. Um, a lot of it's wordless. There's a, there's a slow dance in it um, that I 
unexpectedly physically reacted to. I, I got chills up my arm and my heart was racing. And they're just fucking slow dancing. Mm-hmm. I think they're so sexy together. They have such charisma. This I'm I've never been a like a woo Tom Hiddleston person, but yeah. this put me on the Tom Hiddleston track. It's like yes, correct. The, the sex scene with them is very hot. Yeah, like it's that this is sexy. Yeah, I was sexy like, sexy can oh, I? Hello. Bo- both of you can call me yeah, on your rotary yeah. phones from the 1950s. Uh, but uh, but she has had a taste. Yeah, and she is not going back. Right, and that's and that's really you know, she wants what she can't have from both of these people. One can't go on living on a flat plane. Not after discovering something more primitive. Shall we say natural? It's sober truth, Hester, isn't it lust? Oh, Bill. (laughs) Do you honestly think I can tell you in sober truth what it is I feel for Freddy? Lust isn't the whole of life, but Freddy is, you see, for me, the whole of life. And death. So... Put a label on that if you can. It's also like a really breezy 90 minutes, which I also was like, I was like, how does this movie, because they could have drugged this shit on for two and a half yeah, hours. Yeah, And they don't. Um, and yeah, it's just really beautiful. Everything's got this golden hue to it. She's really, like, she inhabits this character in a way that it, it I mean, knowing nothing of really of her real personal life, like mm-hmm. what goes on inside Rachel Vice's head, she found the connection to this character and and really like wrung it out. Yeah, and, I mean, yeah. she's driven by pleasure. Yeah, and there's like a really great scene where she's at her husband's mom's house. Oh my god! And they're just like sniping yeah. at each other, and she's asking her like you know, the the mother in law is like, better be careful with pleasure. You could you know, I much prefer guarded optimism, or maybe she's yeah. she does something like that. And Rachel's like, yeah, I mean, that's fine. Much more dull, though. You know, and she fully, I mean, that's where you, you really get the sense that she, she really has had a taste of pleasure and she yeah. is not going to go back. She, and whatever it takes, um, including she gives up a cushy life with this guy to yeah. live in like this shitty apartment. This guy who does not have money. Yeah. Um, literally all he's got is that dick. <laughs> and, and, she, and she's, Clearly, I mean, by today's standards, depressed. Oh, ten thousand percent. There's at least three suicide attempts in yeah. the film. And what I think and, the most amazing thing about this movie, though, is she has a conversation with her husband, and she's like, "The men are supposed to want to have sex." Yeah, and I, I need that from you. And he's like shook. Yeah, because and you can tell he loves her. He, yeah, he wants, and I think part of her loves him, or at least the way she's playing. No, it. yeah, yeah, she's I, she's never cruel. Yeah, she, um, not to him. No, yeah, and I think she just does not want to give this up. You know, she's she's felt something that in her life, and she's like, how can I go back? How can I go back to my the way things were before? And I think she is depressed because. It's not, that's not going to happen. You know, yeah. she knows that Tom Hiddleston's character is going to leave and never take care of her. And she is, and she's mortified. She's like, how can I not have this thing that I love, this pleasure? And he doesn't want me back. What the fuck is that? Right. You know, like reconciling 
um, pleasure and commitment, you know, like, and that sometimes that they do not go hand in hand. She, she is shook. Yeah. Um, and, uh, especially in a, in a time and in a place where you're told yeah. that that's all you have out of life, especially being a woman. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I read that the, um, playwright, he wrote this, um, as an allegory of being gay and closeted. Yeah. And, um, I get it, sis. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And I mean, Terrence Davies as well, the director. So yeah, I'm, I'm, very much in love with Terrence Davies' yeah. uh, direction and style and, and, and her performance in that movie. It's funny. So, oh, real quick, he saw her in Swept from the Sea um, uh. and called his agent and was like, do you know who Rachel Vice is? <laughs> his agent was like, she's a fucking Oscar winner. Yeah, I know who she is. <laughs> yeah, so, so, yeah, so that was what made him cast her. So, yeah. Excellent pick, Kevin. Why, thank you. Um... My pick, I was racking my brain backward and forward. I was like, what is it? What is it? And I was like, Lily, just stop. Just stop. Look in front of you. The answer is clear. It's basic. But God, I love the favorite so much. <laughs> I do think there's something about Yorgos's direction of her that, that brings a, a particular uh, type of performance out of her. Because I also think she's really brilliant in The Lobster, the lobster as well. Is so good. Um, if you remember... It was either, like, last episode or two episodes ago when I was like, don't talk to me about the lobster. Yeah. Because literally, I went and saw that by myself when I was living in San Francisco, fresh off of a breakup, and I saw this, I saw the lobster, and I was like, I need to call my ex right now. <laughs> and I fully, like, reignited a relationship because I was like, oh my god, like, being single I, and, like, yeah. together, and, like, that movie fucked me all the way up. Yeah. Okay? I don't want to have to become a lobster. I get it. <laughs> right. Uh, because, that's not my pick, so I'm not gonna talk about it. Yeah. But, the favorite. Um, God, I, and I said this as soon as I walked out of the theater, I was like, I have never seen Three women having more fun making a movie. You can just tell the pant work. Amazing. <laughs> the makeup, the wigs, everything. And just, God, the scene where she full, she fully grabs Queen Anne by the neck and puts her up against the wall and is basically like, bitch, I know what games you're playing and I'm here to tell you I am that bitch. Right. It's and what's, incredible. And what's great about that is Queen Anne fucking down for it yeah and queen Anne is like, like yes. yeah yeah you, you saucy little minx yeah it is so good and just like all of her line readings in this yeah. movie when she says let's go shoot things <laughs> incredible i am a person of honor even if my station is not even if i were the last one left in this wretched place i would remain a lady <laughs> you're pretty when outraged so my secrets are safe with you all of them Even your biggest secret. Abigail. <gasps> if you forget to load the pellet, the gun fires, makes a sound, but releases no shot. It is a great jape, do you agree? Yes. Maybe we will think of a use for it one day. Sometimes it is hard to remember whether you have loaded the pellet or not. I do fear confusion. And accidents. I'm sure people will be careful. Because it's out now, and we do want people to see it. Uh, but just to give you sort of a... a oh, quick... should we tell them what the favorite is? <laughs> well, yeah. So she plays Sarah Churchill, who's basically the Queen's closest advisor. Her husband is leading, is out leading the army. He's right. a bit of a fop. Yeah. And, um, and her cousin shows up 
played by Emma Stone. Emma Stone. Um, and at first, Abigail, that's the cousin, is basically like, yeah, um, like treated like a servant yeah. and everything. And Lady Sarah's like, yeah. fine, I guess we'll let you like work right. in, the, in the like slave quarters. And so she and, and she has the favor and ear of the queen. Right. She is speaking for her in um, official capacity in right. meetings. Um, Feed, feeding her information, yeah. you know, and really manipulating her right. for what she wants and uh, for her gain. But I, she definitely does care for Anne. Yeah. Um, the gag of the movie is that Abigail, sneaky little snake, <laughs> she sees what's going on. And yeah. she starts wondering, if I can start currying favor with the queen, um, maybe then I can rise in the ranks right. and not be just a peasant girl. And so she does. She sneaks her way in. Uh, she marries um, a guy above her status that elevates her to status. And she kind of becomes like Queen Anne's little plaything where they, you know, I mean, she's giving her compliments, asking her questions. She's Queen Anne who is bored in life, essentially. You know, she has had 17 miscarriages. Yeah. Oh, um, my God. When she says that in the movie, it's yeah. just like... And it, it, what's funny is, you know, Yorgos is not a tug-on-your-heartstrings no. type guy. It's a matter of um, fact. But it that hurts when yeah. you hear it in the movie. Well, because and that's Olivia Colman. That's... Yeah. yeah. Yeah, well, because in the... So, at first, you're like, what a ridiculous woman. She has 17 rabbits just right. around in her room making fucking mess. It's right. disgusting. And then she tells you, like, oh, well, that... That's and because and also she she wants Lady Sarah to talk to the rabbits right and Lady Sarah's like don't be fucking ridiculous like right. I'm not gonna do that well that, and that's and that's the other facet of Rachel Vice's performance as well is Sarah Churchill's her personification of Sarah Churchill is very practical and very and so she doesn't have time for mimsy whimsy flopsy no. dopsy doodah she's like I know what I want and I'm gonna take it and you're gonna give it to me. Right. And, and that's not who Abigail is. Yeah. What well, so they they have a different um view on what love is. Yeah. And how that should be expressed. I think the the movie I love the movie. Um Emma Stone is also so fucking ridiculous. She really that. is. Yeah. Um, and she and she's great too. And she she deserves I know she's not getting as as much awards accolades. But she, she should. But but yeah, she she is is equally in my mind. I think Emma Stone's character is the actual lead, and I think the other two parts are supporting. They're all amazing. I want them all to be leads, but whatever. Category frauds, not my business. So. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I just think because she has the most like arc. Yeah, like the story is revolving around her and her like machinations. Yeah. Um. But God, literally, pick any scene, any of the lines that Rachel has, and it's just like dripping with like suave and just like she has uh just so much um gravitas <laughs> like she carries off this woman to a t she her scheming her you know playfulness with the queen when she the queen is like jealous of her dancing with Taylor Swift's boyfriend, and they, they, she wheels her off. Is that what we're calling him now? I don't know his I name. Know. <laughs> I... Not, nor should any of us. Right? <laughs> it's this Taylor Swift's boyfriend. Uh, yeah. I mean, everyone loves the favorite. I, I'm not saying anything new. It's yeah. amazing, and I, th there are plenty of other great movies. W what else do you want to talk about, really quick? Um, we mentioned the lobster. I definitely highly recommend going to go see Lobster, the uh, the Brothers Bloom. 
I really enjoy that movie. It's not perfect. She's really fucking great in it. Um, there's, there's other things I saw that I really liked that I, I can't are failing to come to me at the moment. But my, my second pick honestly is youth. Oh, fucking yes. Yeah. I love youth. Youth barely made, uh, I mean, just fell right outside my top 10 two years ago. Yeah. Um, a 2015 movie. Yeah. And it's, it's beautiful, luxurious, vibrant, imaginative, kooky, booky. It's the one thing that makes it for me with Rachel. Her father is Michael Caine. Um, and they're all basically like famous in some respect. Yeah. Rich people who are in the Swiss Alps kind yeah. of like supposed to be relaxing and enjoying themselves, except they're all going through such terrible hardships within themselves. The movie's all about aging and like what you've done with your life, what you're going to do with your life. Her, she, and she's like the manager of him and he's a composer that's very famous. They're laying down getting massages and she is fully bubbling over with this like frustration and anger. Who were you? Who? It's what I always asked myself. You never gave anything. Not to her, not to me, nothing. You gave everything to your music. Music, music, music. There was nothing else in your life, only music and aridness. Never a caress, never a hug, never a kiss, nothing. You never knew anything about your children. Never knew if we were happy, if we were suffering, nothing. Everything was on mommy's shoulders. At home, the only thing you would ever say to her were two words, quiet Melanie. Mommy would explain to us, quiet, daddy's composing. Quiet, daddy's resting, he has a concert tonight. Quiet, daddy's on the phone to someone important. Quiet, daddy has Stravinsky coming to the house later tonight. You wanted to be Stravinsky, but you didn't have a single drop of his genius. Quiet, Melanie, were the only two things you knew how to say. That entire, she, because she's so controlled the entire movie, up until there, and she like spills it all out, and then just brings it all back. And the massages just continue. God, that movie is so stylish. Yeah. A casual, quick Paloma Faith. A casual, quick Jane Fonda. Oh, oh my God. The Paloma Faith thing? Yeah. I said, I'm, is that Paloma Faith? And yep. then literally her line is, I'm Paloma Faith. Yes. <laughs> and Jane Fonda's great. I actually think that's one of the, the best brief Jane Fonda performances. Um, Just, yeah. Paolo Sorrentino is one of my favorite current working directors, I'll be honest. And so... So good. It's, watch anything by him. He did The Young Pope. He did, you know, a, The Great Beauty. Just watch his stuff. Another great supporting role that she's in. Absolutely. Um, so I think that would bring us to our fast forward. Yeah, let's do it. So I don't really know what Rachel Wise has upcoming. Rachel, what's going on, girl? What's going on, girl? Give us a call. <laughs> girl, where do you think you're going? Um, I, uh, yeah, I, I don't see anything on her future IMDb for what's coming up next. You know, if she's taking some time off, that might be great. I've heard her talk about taking time off to raise her kids. Um, you know, she works when she wants to, um, and she's very clear about picking the projects that she likes to do. Well, I'm not film. I'm not working. I've just been been a it's very hard <laughs> I don't know. I'm tired but it's it's also extremely uh joyful so um yeah I mean it's amazing I have a little girl so it's a wonderful thing but um 
I don't, I don't have any tips for <laughs> for getting through over to Idness, but um, it's you know I'm not I'm not filming anything, so yeah. So what would you like to see from her in the future? I mean, now that we've seen her in the favorite, where it's a fully you know, I mean, it's a dramatic role, but she's so funny in it. Yeah. I'm wondering if there's any more like comedy to mine for Mitchell Vice. I've also heard her talk about comedies, and she said she would love to do comedies, but she doesn't think she's naturally funny. Hmm. The the real gag is that she can do anything she wants. That's what's crazy, right? So I the hardest thing in preparation for this episode was thinking about what I want her to do in the future. Because I was like, do I want her to do some sci-fi shit? Do I want her to do some comedy? Do I... But she's done it all. And she proves that she can mostly do it. Yeah. I can tell you what I don't want to see from her, but I think she's past that that doing this. I don't want to see her playing any more like dumb young ingenues. Right. And I think I think she's she's way out of that stage anyways. But like I I I don't know. Like seeing it's... like beautiful creatures and, and going all the way and and uh, swept from the sea, like the right. these movies that where she lacked any sort of agency. Uh, that's what I don't want from her. What's but, incredible is, you know, she's at that age where she's not at grandma right. age, and she's not at, you know, young, hot girl right. age. She's 49, which is relatively young. It is young, but in Hollywood terms, like, that is right. fully like, the great unknown for women, right. right? Like, who are they supposed to be playing? Yeah. You know, is, and most of the time the answer is moms, but, you know, I don't... She's oh god! Can you imagine if she went if she went the Jennifer Garner route? And once again, and we talked about this in the Jennifer Garner episode. It seems like Jennifer Garner was playing moms from the moment she started making right. movies, and that's one of the nice things is like in most films, even in films that are bad, like you mentioned, Dreamhouse, it, she's like never playing just a mom. Right. It seems like she's very much kind of pushed herself away from that. Yeah, and which is not to say mad respect for moms, but. Right. There, there is... They're usually one-dimensional. Yeah. The way that the Hollywood makes movies, they do not treat mothers well. Right. And I think... She, I mean, just looking at the last five years of, like, disobedience, yeah. denial, um, you know, uh, the lobster, the favorite, complete Ye- unknown. Yeah. Youth, even. Youth. Yeah. It's... She's making very, like, strategic... And and you know what? Fucking good for her. She's like, yeah. I'm gonna go after who I want to work with. Right. And I, and she has a family that she loves and cares about, and she produces what she wants to produce. Right. You know, she said that complete unknown. They were like, she's like, we had such a tiny budget, and she her she's playing a woman who has like different lives, yeah, all different looks. Like one is like a full like living in Japan. Um, one who's like living in Berkeley, like different. Like she's like literally every morning, me and like the two person makeup team would just like throw together an identity for this person. And so I love like, and that is the spirit of the theater right. that I love about Rachel. Yeah, and she's not going to just rest on her looks. She's not going to just like um, be like, oh well, I guess because. She knows whenever, you know, Hollywood wants, yeah, fine, I'll go me pretty and dumb if I need to, to, like, pay some bills, but to truly finance these, like, special little gems. Because, man, you don't see movies like Youth a lot. No. You don't see movies like <laughs> um, Disobedience a lot. And even Disobedience, I think she was a producer on also. Yeah. And she decided to choose um, that director 
who is Sebastian Lilio. Yeah. yeah. So interesting. Has a point of view. Yeah. Who's not exploiting women. Who's, and, and even like her doing the constant gardener, like it, she's making such strategic, like interesting choices. I just want her to keep doing that. But I mean, you know, if it's her going back on the stage and doing more theater work. Right. Uh, and that's, and that's maybe, maybe the one thing that I hope that she never loses her connection to. And I doubt she will, but that like weird, theater route that, she really? that physical body the the way that she uses herself uh, you know i i don't know i think it feels that's like really she's never connection. she feels like she's never like given up or forgotten that girl who went to cambridge yeah and was just like fuck the establishment i want to do my own thing and you know people took notice because not only is she beautiful but she's so fucking talented yeah again like rachel's picking these roles that have a voice that she wants to be heard, you know, like a lot of people probably don't know who Hypatia was. Right. But you know what? Yeah. She was like an OG feminist bitch who was like trying to teach those idiots about shit. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, I just have um, so much more respect and love for her and uh, I can't wait to see what she does next. Yeah. And I love, yeah, I can't wait either. I think, I think she's the, the perfect captain of her own ship. Oh, so. I love that. Yeah. So, I guess that brings us to the conclusion of the episode. We loved you, Rachel. We, we still love, love you. Rachel. We love, we you, love Rachel. you, Rachel. Good luck at the Oscars. Yes, I know. Fingers crossed for you. I won't be watching, but, but fingers crossed for you. Fingers crossed. Oh, she's going up against Regina King, our last I know. A girl. I know. Fingers, fingers crossed for both Ooh, Fingers crossed for both. Maybe there'll be a tie. Ooh. Uh, but, uh, so if you enjoy the Mixed Reviews, you can always contact us on Twitter at, at the Mixed Reviews. You can also find us on Facebook. You can also email us at reviewsmix at gmail.com. Just listen to us wherever your heart desires. Oh, oh my God. We are on iTunes. We're on Stitcher. We're on Spotify, Google Play Music, iHeartMedia. Uh, if you are on iTunes, if you'd ever be so kind to leave us a five-star review, um, write us a review as well. What that does is it helps other people find us and we can all be friends. Guys, send us more like nice notes. Yeah, exactly. So we read those ones up top and we really enjoy getting them. Uh, we will be back uh, in a little bit longer than two weeks because... We have a very special guest coming up, Chris File. Chris File of the Sad Oscar Buzz. Yes, and God. he's coming on to talk about Julianne Moore. Another smarty pants. You keep bringing smart people into, <laughs> into your house that I am in? Very much looking forward to that episode. He's a great guy. And also, uh, that connects back to Sebastian Lilio. So, oh my God. Because he directed Gloria, <gasps> yes. which has now been remade as Gloria Bell. With <laughs> Julianne Moore. With Julianne Moore. Which Chris has seen. Really? Yeah. Was he at Sundance? Uh, I don't think he was at Sundance, but he was, he's been many. He's been places. Yeah. He's been places. Oh man, we're going places, Gavin. Yeah, we're going places. So thank you very much for everybody for listening. And we'll be back again in just a little over two weeks. Thanks guys. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. Well, pardon my money. Cause I've got a crush, my.